to see what God is doing in this place. Hallelujah. As I look around the room, I am so thrilled at the miracles that I see. Amen. I just see lots of miracles, just Jesus doing great things. I'm very excited about what God's doing in our church. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John. We're going to be looking at chapter 5, a couple verses out of that. Uh, This morning... We are going to continue on with our series on spiritual warfare. You know, this morning uh, before the first service started, I was sitting in my office and I was just kind of going over my notes as I do on a regular basis and just once again, just kind of getting it into my spirit and just thinking about it and praying about it. And I was just kind of taken aback. I was kind of, uh, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but I I was just, uh, it just sat on me, just the importance of this. Um, And I want to just say to you that if you can get this, if you will get what Jesus is saying, what what the Spirit of God is saying to us, um, it's going to really help you. It's going to really help you in your daily uh, Christian walk. um, I I don't know how to really say that completely, but let me just say this this is something that's very, very important. Now, this morning it should come as no surprise to us that as Christians, we are in a war. We are at war. Now, before we go too much further into this, I want to make some things clear. Um, I don't believe that everything that happens in life is the devil, okay? I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Years and years and years ago, was part of an organization years and years ago that you know, was looking for demons and doorknobs and, you know, it just, you know, everything was the devil, you know, and I just don't believe that's true. Sometimes a flat tire is simply that, a flat tire. You know, the reality is life happens. Now, uh, oftentimes, though, what will happen is the devil, 
He will capitalize on life. Can you say amen? He will uh, use and exploit things that take place in our life, and he will use them against us. And, and um, you know, sometimes it can be difficult. And you and I, though, we, we really do got to come to a place where we must understand that we are not simply wrestling with just mere problems. Now, I know, like I said, not everything's the devil, but in many cases there are uh, and there is a reality of spiritual activity. And what we have to understand is that we're not just wrestling with mere problems and circumstances. Our warfare is not with bad habits. It's not with wrong mindsets. Uh, The battles that we face are not with people economic situations or chemical substances or healthy issues or any other tangible thing. Those are the fruit of this warfare. And the war that rages every day in our spiritual lives is with an antagonist who holds his authority in a place called the gates of hell. We need to understand that. That is something that we cannot afford just to ignore or stumble over, nor can we afford to have misinformation about it. Can you say amen? In Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, if you get anything out of this series of sermons, it is my hope that you get that. And the reason why I hope that you get that is because for much of the time, the Christian church, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about you and I as Christians, we are content to bring this spiritual battle into our physical lives, meaning that what we want to do is we want to find blame or accusation or we want to find justification or vindication or whatever vacation we can find in the thought that my enemy is the one that I can see. And it's not true. Let me tell you, the Bible, Jesus didn't even stumble over his words. He said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Now, there's a whole lot being said in that verse, and that will be for another day. But the reality is today, my battle is not with you. My battle is not with my neighbor, my wife, my children, my boss, my enemy, whatever. That's not where my battle lies. And mark it down this morning that the devil is a master strategist. He is a determined warrior. And he commands a vast army filled with all kinds of ungodliness. And his forces are not neutral. Okay, they have an objective. They hold people in bondage. They wreak havoc in homes and marriages and families and relationships of every kind. They sow discord in churches through gossip and misinformation and jealousy. They operate in the shadows of life bringing sickness, disease, pain, 
They work against our hearts and our minds, bringing sorrow and depression and fear, unbelief. They torment the children of God. They lay traps of temptation. They are purveyors of confusion and doubt, anxiety, insecurity. They thrive in an atmosphere of deception. And the goal is to derail, to prevent, to withhold, to distort, to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I know that you're like, well, wow, Pastor, go ahead, cheer us up today. Well, I, I am. I, I, I am. This, this is a very positive sermon because here's the good news. Because there's greater news than that. That is a reality. What I just said is a fact. But there is better, good, excellent news. And it's this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37, it said, Yet in all of these things, everything that I just listed, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can you say amen? Now, last week, we looked at a couple verses of Scripture that I want to just mention so that they're in our thinking as we go forward. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, the reason we need to pay attention to that is because it's not about my strength. It's not about my ability. It is about his ability. I am strong in the power of his might. Too many Christians are trying to win this battle. They're trying to find victory on their own. You will never be able to do it. It's in the power of his might. And the Bible goes on and it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. God has outfitted us. He has equipped us. He has empowered us. It is his ability, his weaponry, his armor, his equipment, and we are victorious because of it. Can you say amen? Amen. But not only that, he goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, unless Satan should get, take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, the Holy Spirit has exposed the devil. He has made him known. He has showed us his strategy. He has showed us his plans, his devices, all that he can do. He's revealed them to us so we have the advantage. Can you say amen? Now this morning I want to move on in another facet of spiritual warfare that often goes overlooked. It goes Actually, if you want to know the truth of it, most people don't even view what we're going to talk about as, quote, unquote, spiritual warfare. But I would, I would submit today that what we're about to talk about is probably the apex or the center of this war that we face. And it's this. It's the battle we face in our faith. Has anybody ever had to struggle with your faith? I mean, has anybody ever had a challenge in your faith? You know what you believe. You've read the Bible. You've got verses of Scripture. Scripture that says, by His stripes, we're healed. Scriptures that says, according to His riches and glory, He he meets my every need. All my needs are met according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
He tells us that we're free. If we know the truth, we are free. We, the truth sets us free. Amen. We, we know that he guides us. He's a shepherd that leads us and guides us. But yet many times in those moments, in those, in those contexts, those, those ideas about what God has promised us, we struggle. We believe it, but we don't see it. And so we wonder, why am I, I struggling? It's the fear that wants to rise up, this, this idea that God's not going to come through. Amen. I was inspired, actually, to do this message. Some friends of mine came to me and They were talking to me about a struggle that they had in their faith. And as we talked about that, I felt the Holy Spirit afterwards just begin to inspire me about this idea because it's in our faith where we struggle the most. It's in this this thing, it's it's this idea, am I really cleansed? Am I really set free? Uh, You know, we talk about the works of the flesh and, and, and the temptations of our lives, and I'm always being pulled aside, but yet God says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And how can that be when I have such a mind and I think the way I think? And and we we don't understand that there is a battle or a struggle in our faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I found a verse of scripture that really kind of rocked me. It's it's one of those passions or one of those portions of scripture that that when when you read it, it's easy to overlook it. But I want you to listen to what the Bible says. This is our text. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, it says, and I'm going to be very slow, deliberate about it. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? And as a result of that belief, Have you accepted him and acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior? Are you walking in his way? Then you have overcome the world. And that is your faith. Are you hearing that? That's powerful. Now, in this passage of scripture... There are two phrases that I want you to pay very close attention to. The first one is this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And the second one is this. This is the victory that has overcome our world, even our faith. Now, I want to begin this morning by looking first at the second phrase. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Now, I must be honest with you this morning. I have struggled to find the right words to explain or express this passage of Scripture to you. And the reason is, is because, number one, I, I don't want to do any harm to the Scripture. And number two, I do not want to cheapen what God is saying here by trivializing or, or making... Silly, the, the, the truth that's here. I, I don't want to make this just a, a silly thing because there is something extremely powerful here right. if we will catch it. 
I want you to listen to these words again, but this time I'm going to read it in context. I'm going I'm to go a little bit before this so that you get the picture of what God is saying. And I'm going to be reading from the Phillips translation of the Bible. It says this, Everyone who really believes that Jesus is the Christ proves himself one of God's family. The man who loves the Father cannot help loving the Father's own Son. The test of the genuineness of our love for God's family lies in this question. Do we love God himself, and do we obey his commands? For loving God means obeying his commands, and listen, and these commands of his are not burdensome, Here's the key. For God's heredity within us will always conquer the world outside us. In fact, this faith of ours is the only way in which the world has been conquered. For who could ever be said to conquer the world in the true sense except the man who really believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Of God. Now that is powerful. And the reason why that's powerful is there is a phrase in this. He says this, uh, he goes, for God's heredity that is within us. You see, what does that mean? I'm not just talking about his nature. I'm talking about his DNA. I'm talking about what makes God God is in us. And that fact alone is what conquers the world outside us. You may feel like you've lost, but the Bible declares you have won. And you say, how can that be? Because you are in position victorious. You are in position more than a conqueror. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You are the bride of Christ. You are sons of God. You are the head and not the tail, the above and not the beneath. That's what you are in position. The battle lies in that we have to become in behavior what we are in position. That every day we walk out and live out who we are in position. Can you say amen? This is who I am. I am a winner. Who are you? You are a winner. The Bible says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I am born of God. Regardless of what the battle looks like, I've overcome. John tells us in this scripture that we overcome the world and that we have great victory. And it's our faith that stands against the battle. This doesn't mean that it's always going to seem real. Because, in fact, sometimes it doesn't. It seems sometimes it's, sometimes it just seems easier to negotiate than to hold our ground, doesn't it? Sometimes, sometimes it just seems like, well, let's just cut a deal with the devil. I'll leave you alone, you leave me alone. I only go to church twice a month if you leave me alone. I, I, I won't be a fanatic. I, I won't pray as hard. I, you know, and we would never couch it that way. We would, we would never say that. But oftentimes Christians are negotiating with the devil rather than holding their ground. Because the idea of spiritual warfare is becoming 
an obsolete concept. In many ways, we've replaced spiritual warfare with compromise, mediation, complacency, and even apathy. And I think the reason is is because we've just lost the will to fight. We've lost the drive to win. Because we're convinced, and see, this is the problem. The devil has convinced us that we are not this in position, and we'll never be it in behavior. You can't win. You can't win. The devil shows up, and he paints this picture of defeat. He says, look at how can you win? Look at the things you think about. Look at the things that travel through your mind. But not knowing all the time it is his thoughts that he's been putting in your head. And he says, see, those are yours. No, they're not. They're not my thoughts. I don't have that heredity. I don't have that DNA. That is not who I am. This may come as a revelation to many Christians, but we're not supposed to be a punching bag for the devil. This is not what God's called us to be. Can you say amen? He's called us to be conquerors. He's called us to walk in victory over every enemy and adversary that may come. See, Christianity is a life of victory. Yet in all of this, something seems to be missing many times, doesn't it? Too often it seems like we're anything but victorious. And I think the reason is, is because many believers have the misconception that walking by faith means life is going to somehow be easy. Oh, right. Yeah, so, you know, I think we do. I, I really, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I'm telling you, very, very mature Christians. Yeah, there was a time in my life when I thought, you know what, when I become a senior pastor and I got a big, large church and all of that, I've got life made. It, you know, it's just going to slide right in. It's going to be easy street, no problem. There's going to be... Oh, wow. That boat sailed. Right. It's just like, let's, let's put it in terms that maybe we can, we can understand. How many parents here thought, when your kids turn 18, parenting is done? Well, think again, man. <laughs> that... That, that parent, look, hey, you might be 95 and they might be 85, or, well, you'd only be 10. You, you might be 75, but you're still your mama's baby. How many know what I'm talking about? And you know what? The job of parenting goes on. Well, that's the same with faith. Faith is a fight. Can you say amen? amen. Somehow they think they should be effortlessly gliding into the, into the place that God has destined for them, never having a hiccup or a struggle or a challenge. And the problem is we begin to believe a lie that says if our faith is challenged, then our faith is weak. We think that if we have struggles, that, that if I'm struggling in my faith, then I must be immature. If I'm struggling in my faith, then I must not be a good Christian. Well, that's simply not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Can you say amen? Amen. Think about this for a moment. Because the Bible teaches something completely different than that. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, the Bible says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Listen to what he says. In that verse, the Apostle Paul, he says, fight the good fight of faith. According to this verse, the path of faith often requires a fight to see it to completion. 
The word fight in the Greek refers to a struggle. It's a fight. It's, it's a fight of great exertion or effort. Literally, it's where we get the, the, the Greek word is where we get the English word agony. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't say, I couldn't pronounce the Greek word or outside I said it. But it's where we get the English word agony. It's a word that's used in the New Testament often to describe the idea of anguish or pain or distress or conflict. It's also, the, in, this, in the meaning of this word, it depicts the athletic contest and competition. You know, it's the, it goes back to the old Greek and Roman Olympics. It is frequently pictured with wrestlers in Mortal combat, wrestling one another, struggling with all their might to overcome their opponent in an effort to hurl them to the ground in a fight to the finish. The very fact that Paul would use this word tells us emphatically that when we step out to do something by faith, it often pushes us into an unknown fight. Are you hearing me? It throws us into some type of agony, anguish, conflict, pain, distress, or struggle. It's not that God wants us to struggle. But this fight of faith, it, it, it comes because the flesh wants to resist God. Are, are you hearing me? The mind struggles to understand what God has told us to do. How, how many know that many times our logic doesn't match up with the logic of God? God's told you to believe God, but yet the bill is due. You know, the lights are going out at 5. It's 4.55. Unisaurus has showed up in their truck. They're going to shut the electric off. And God says, hold, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fight. <sighs> I got to fight this through. I'm believing God. Shut the electric off. I don't care. God's paying it. Amen. The Bible says there's a great verse. It says, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Amen. I don't care what the world says. God gets the final say. You know what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they were told to bow to the king, to worship his image. They said, oh, oh, king, we're not even careful to answer you. We ain't bowing. He says, well, you're going into the fire then. Fine, so be it. He says, we believe that God will deliver us. And if he don't, that's okay too. And it was in the fire that another was seen. And it was the fourth that looked like unto the Son of God. It was in the fire that Jesus came. But sometimes that, my friends, is a fight. It's a battle because, quite honestly, I, I, I would rather Jesus just show himself out here. Let, let's, let's avoid the fire thing, God. I, you know, I, I, I will bow to you without the fire. Not a problem. Let's, let's eliminate the fire. But sometimes God needs the fire to burn the stuff off that's preventing us from seeing him. And sometimes God will use the devil's fire to set you free. Yeah, it, 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 I just got it. <laughs> the point is that when we step out in faith... We don't just effortlessly glide into the destination God has for us. 
we must fight the good fight of faith, listen, to establish the victory, the victorious position that Jesus has already given us. And listen, the fight is not because we have a reluctant father in heaven. It's because we have a persistent enemy. Listen, in the book of Jude, in verse number 3, it says this. It's an interesting verse of scripture. He says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. It's interesting because his original objective in writing to these Christian people was to talk about salvation. He says, I wanted to deepen your well of understanding about this salvation that you have. I I wanted to talk about this glorious thing. He goes, but I found it necessary to write to you concerning this faith. He says, I I needed to exhort you to contend for the faith. If you were to go on into verse 4, it says, For men have crept in unaware, and they have perverted what God wanted to do. How many have ever met a creep? You know, they kind of creep in. You know know what I'm saying? They creep in places, and and they want to distort what God's saying. And and, and Paul's writing, he says, look, you're going to have to fight this thing you got to stand up and be counted. The Apostle Paul urges us to give this fight our best effort. He tells us, fight the good fight of faith. The word good in the Greek here, it, 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 it means exceptional, of highest quality, outstanding, of, of super, superb nature. In the context of a fight, this is a pitcher who is... Someone is there is giving their best effort, not phoning it in. How many know what I'm talking about? But they are deadly serious and focused. And Paul repeats the word fight a second time. He says, fight the good fight of faith. And it's, the reason he does that is he conveys the idea of someone that's giving their complete concentration, totally focused on engaging and standing in victory. No, long, no matter how long... It takes or how much agonizing effort it requires. Are you hearing me? It's a picture of total commitment to victory. This is a far cry from simply gliding into God's destination without hiccups or headaches along the way. As Paul told us in this verse, anything that is done by faith will require a fight of some sort in order to win. So here's the moral of this story. If you're experiencing a struggle along the path of personal victory, if you've been fighting off some very real mental or spiritual assaults along the way, don't be taken off guard or surprised by it. It's spiritual warfare at its best. And remember, you win. It's who you are. You win. It's who you are. Listen, what he's saying to us is he's saying, stay in the fight until you can shout the fight is finished. Are you hearing me? I'll be honest with you. This has thrown me in the past. I'll just be honest because I think I've misunderstood both faith and victory. See, faith is not a means to an end. You've got to understand that. Faith is a confidence. That's what the Bible tells us. It's an assurance. It's a principle to be lived by. Victory is not the result of my faith, 
but it is the result of who I put my faith in. Are you hearing me? One man wrote this. He says, the virtue of faith lies in its object. Faith in itself is nothing better than a tool or an instrument. It derives its power entirely from the thing upon which it is fixed. So if that, mean, that means that if I have faith in the negative, guess what? Negative power comes to bring fear. It perverts my faith into fear. That's, fear is what is faith in the negative. That's whenever, whenever you are in fear, you have faith in the negative. And what you've done, what I've done is I've paid attention to what's possible. And 90% of what we fear never happens. It's just true. But listen to me, faith in the positive does the same thing. It impassions me. It emboldens me. It strengthens me. It says, I can and I will because I have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the power and victory is all in Jesus. And faith is the link that binds us to him. There's no more power in unfocused faith than the lamp that's unplugged. Are you hearing me? See, the thing is, is John had learned, I believe, to rest in faith. He learned, he knew what it meant to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He got it. So you know what? God's, this, God's coming through. You know, you've got to ask yourself, how did Paul do it? You know, when you learn about his history and you, you learn a little bit about where he spent a lot of his life, in prison. I, and then, you know, the, he says this, this always, this always kind of drove me nuts. He says, for our light afflictions. <laughs> light afflictions. Now, when you read Paul's history, he, you know, in perils of the sea, in perils of countrymen, in perils of religious people. Per- and he goes, you know, he goes, I got stoned a couple times. Not, not like you All and right. I do, but yeah. different okay. stoning. It, it, was, it was with rocks. Left for, left for dead, 40, 39 stripes, 39, that, that stripes isn't, didn't come up with a magic marker. And it, it was whipping. I mean, and he's like, this light affliction is working for me, a greater weight of glory. He said, there's something being worked out here. And, and look at, I'm not talking about the fact that we should just sit back and go, oh, thank God that I'm getting beat up. No, somewhere along the line, what we do is we stop and say, you know what, God, you are bigger than all of this. And this is just a moment. Too many people are determining, determining the destiny of their lives by single moments in time. People have left churches because of a moment. People have gotten divorces because of a moment. People have disowned their children because of a moment. People have quit jobs and dis- because of a moment. It's spiritual warfare. And what we need to do is stand up and say, No, devil, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I win. He learned the secret of real victory. That it's stillness of the soul that understands that God's in charge. 
Now let's take another look at our text this morning. We're beginning to wind this down a little bit. In 1 John 5, 4 and 5, he says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now the second phrase that I want you to look at is the first one. And it's what for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And there's some things that we need to pay attention in there. Because the word world is an interesting world. There's, there's several words throughout the Bible that are in translated word. But this one is particular. It's, it's used quite often. And it describes a particular thing. In the Greek, it's describing the world system and its standard in this present age. Literally, it's talking about influence. See, the world systems and spheres are where Satan has invaded and where he exerts his greatest influence. Now, this is the place... It's in this place. It's then in the world where you and I live and function. We are not of the world, the Bible says, but we're in the world. Okay. So the world can be government, education, media. Uh, 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 it can be uh, religion. And it can even boil down to relationship. It's a system. It's a way of doing things. It's, it can even talk, we can even talk about culture in a family or in a church or in a marriage or in many other, any other form of relationship. It's talking about the systems of the world. It's how the world operates. And again, it's right there where the fight is. And it's right there where we are overcomers. Now listen to me, the world and its systems are not neutral. They have an agenda, they are committed to their cause, and they must be overcome. But the good news is, we overcome it, don't we? But here, I want to show you, I want to take this a little deeper. In John 16, in the Amplified Version, listen to what the Bible says. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, in the world system, in that system, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted, for I have overcome the world system. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it. For you, how does my faith overcome the world? My faith connects me to Him, and now because He has overcome the world, I have overcome the world. Can you say, Amen? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You tonight or this morning are as strong as as what you put your faith in. If you put your faith in Christ, all that he is becomes who you are. And he's overcome the world. See, living by faith, church, is not an option. It's not an option for the believer. It's the way of life of every Christian. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says this. It says, the just, that's you and I, shall live by faith. In, a, in another translation, I believe it's in the Amplified, it says this. The righteous person in or by his faith and faithfulness, his firmness, his consistency, his belief, his faith, and steadfastness shall live. Are you hearing that? You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means faith is seeing the invisible. It's believing the improbable, asking the unthinkable, and then celebrating when God turns the impossible into reality. It's holding your ground. Faith is the victory that overcomes. Now, this doesn't mean the world won't attempt to overcome you. It doesn't mean the devil, who is the God of this world, won't try to overcome you. But its efforts, his efforts, will be frustrated and unsuccessful. Why? Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. For that reason, Satan may try to go for a knockout punch. But even if he knocks us flat, he can't keep us down. Because listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. He writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and again and again and keep going. Why? Because we are born of God and we overcome the world. Amen. See, those who, who are born of God have supernatural ability to keep going. No matter how many times they fall. Literally, it's telling us that We are ultimate champions, and it describes for us that we have a superior position as children of God over the world. Amen. 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 We are are fully armed with everything we need to be super conquerors. Are you hearing me? Regardless of what weapons Satan uses or how he attempts to come against us, we win. What does that mean? It means this. Look, I'm almost done. I'm I'm winding down. This means we have a faith that overrides and supersedes any organization, any event, any circumstance, any difficult dilemma Satan would try to use against us. He may be the God of this world, but we have a weapon so powerful that we can shoot him down every time he raises his ugly little head. Are you hearing me? You You may feel hindered from time to time, but don't be in despair. Those hindrances won't last long. It's a fight. You gotta fight it through. Listen, this is how Jesus put it. He said, in this world, you're gonna go through some distressing times. There's no doubt about it. But take heart. Be courageous. He says, because I overcame the world. And he says, I'm still overcoming the world. And I will always be in an overcoming position over the world. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not just one time. I didn't just win one time and now we're going to have a rematch. I won for eternity. He says, I crushed his head. 
I exposed him. I made an open show of him. I dragged him through the street. I was the victor. He is the loser. And he says, because I win, you win. Whatever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is our, our faith. It's our victory. So this morning, you need to make a choice. You need to get up, brush the dirt off, tell your mind and your emotions to calm down, submit yourself to Jesus, resist the devil, and the Bible says he will flee. Why? Because you've overcome the world. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? (coughs) Father, we thank you so much, God, for the truth of this word. God, we just give you glory. We give you honor. And we thank you, Lord, for making this truth visible in our lives. We ask you, Lord, that you would cause this truth to be written on the tables of our heart. That, Lord, as we go through life and as we find ourselves in struggle and combat, that we would be reminded that the heredity of our life, the DNA of our life, it makes it easy for us to follow you, to obey you. But more than that, Father, it, it, it makes it easy to be overcomers, to be victorious, to be more than conquerors. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful grace and favor and mercy that you've poured out upon us. We give you the honor for it, and we just glorify you in Jesus' name. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I wonder this morning in, in this room, if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm not right with God, I'm not... I'm not saved. I haven't acknowledged Christ as my Savior. I don't know that I have a relationship with him, but I've listened to you preach, and I've listened to the words, and I'm I'm moved. I want this this relationship you talk about. I, I want this encounter. I want this connection. Would you lift your hand? Would you say, that's me, Pastor? I need that. I need that. Anyone in this place, amen, I see that hand. Someone else? Amen. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. I want to I say this to you just for a moment. You keep your heads bowed just for a moment. I don't believe a prayer will save you. What I believe is faith in Christ saves you. And the Bible says that we, we confess unto salvation. There's been a lot of controversy, and I want to deal with it just for a moment, over the sinner's prayer. Truth is, you won't find a sinner's prayer in the Bible. He said, well, why do you do it? Because it is a public confession. It's a way that you can make a confession. It's a way to acknowledge by faith that Jesus is your Lord. It's simply a tool. It is simply a way. There's a lot of ways. Faith in Christ is what saves you. But confession is necessary. And it's through that prayer that we lead, because there is no particular prayer that we pray. We just simply help you to make a confession, a good confession. And that's why what you need to follow up this prayer with is a lifestyle that says, I'm going to do my very best to learn and grow in what God's given me. That what I'm going to do is I'm just going to connect myself to what he's doing. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. 
Would you be my Lord and my Savior? Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen.